We are nothing without a foundation. There is nothing without a foundation. And you can't have just any foundation. It has to be a strong foundation. And now for Build a Strong Foundation. So finally, today, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, Think on these things. And you can also put it like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it is excellent and if it is praiseworthy, Think on these things. These are very simple words, but they form a very strong foundation. The words are so simple that I don't even have to tell you what they mean. Everybody in here knows what each of those nouns, adjectives that I just recited to you mean. They're transformative, powerful, and relevant. And again, they're simple words, but they strong form a strong foundation. And this command, I'll just call it a command, to think on the positive things, is written by the Apostle Paul in one of the most trying times of his life. These are the words that keep you from worry, help you to renounce worry, and also keep you from complaining. Because if you're thinking on the lovely, the beautiful, the right, the just, the good reports, then you're not complaining. And... I do take the liberty to say that this verse is foundational simply because it's literally written on the foundation of this church. We are nothing without a foundation. There is nothing without a foundation. And you can't have just any foundation. It has to be a strong foundation. So why do you need a strong foundation? Why can't you just have a weak foundation? Because you can't build anything on top of that. I love to see neighborhoods being built, homes being, uh, being built, like to track the progress of anything that's being built. Because it's very fascinating to me how for months and months and months you see nothing You see the trucks, you see the cranes, you see the trees being removed, but you see nothing yet coming out of the ground. 
and you wonder, well, what's happening? Well, they're building a foundation. It takes months and months and years in some cases to build that foundation. Then all of a sudden, you see something coming up out of the ground. One day you drive by, you finally see some wood. You finally see some bricks. Then next thing you know, maybe a month later, they're selling the actual house. But the reason they can build that is because that foundation has been laid. What are they doing? They're putting the sewer system, the electrical system, putting all of that together so that you can have a fantastic result. And all of that is necessary and it takes time. You can't rush that. It can be some of the most expensive work when you're putting a huge project like that together. And also think about the foundations you form when you're teaching your kids. Think about how you teach them to read or how a teacher teaches them to read. They start, as an infant, you start singing the ABC song, right? The alphabet song. Then they start learning the letters. Then they start putting together simple words, sight words, And even as babies, if you're reading, they want to grab the book and start talking like they're reading back to you. And then you start forming bigger words. Then they think they're writing. So it's a foundation that you're starting even when you're learning to read. You're building upon the previous step. Also think about how you learn math. You start out with numbers, recognizing the numbers, being able to count. Then at a certain point, you start adding. You're adding single digits, double digits, triple digits. Then you're subtracting single digits, double digits, triple digits. Then you start multiplying, you start dividing, you start learning the relationships of the numbers and learning that, hey, oh, okay, multiplication is another way to add. You start learning that connection. When you start dividing, you say, oh, okay, now I understand. Okay, this is what half is. Then you learn the percents. You learn the ratios. You start building. So if you miss a step, you miss a concept along the way, you have a gap somewhere, a leak, a hole, and it has to be plugged. And that's where you miss a topic because you didn't learn the previous topic and you didn't learn it well. So you have to build on the foundation in order to get to the piece that's showing above, on top. So, and then, you know, not to mention moving beyond the simple concepts of math I just listed. Then there's algebra, geometry, trigonometry, calculus. And then a lot of times kids just give up because it starts looking like a foreign language because they haven't learned the basics. They see the summation sign, the integral signs, the infinity sign, the not equal to sign, and they just become overwhelmed, intimidated, daunted because they missed out on the foundation. So the foundation has to be strong and it has to be in place before you can expect to have any type of showing for 
your work. So, will you ever use some of those topics? Maybe, maybe not. But that's really not the point. A lot of kids come back and say, well, why am I learning this? Well, first of all, your only job is to be a student and to learn. Secondly, you have to show that you can train your brain to learn these types of concepts because you're going to have much more to learn. You have to be able to show that you can master where you are before you can be promoted to higher levels. So you have to build a foundation. It takes time. It can be slow. It can be boring. You can't see anything. A lot of times there's no action, but it has to be done. So several years ago, when we were doing some renovations here, pulling back the carpet and replacing seating, some of us were tasked with writing a scripture on the floorboards of the front area of this pulpit here. So the scripture that I chose was the one that I started out with here today. So that's why I say it is indeed written on the foundation of this church. And the Apostle Paul wrote that verse, Philippians 4, 8, from jail of all places. And it was a Roman jail, and it was not the best place to be. No jail 2,000 years ago, nor today, is a good place to be. But yet, he wrote not only Philippians 4, 8, but the entire book of Philippians from jail. And it's actually called the book of joy, the joy book. And he kept that attitude throughout his entire imprisonment there. So he told us what to think on from jail. He told us that he was rejoicing from jail. He told us not to worry and complain from jail. And again, He was jailed unjustly, but he told us to think on the just things from jail. He didn't say, I'm here for no reason. Why why am I here? He just said, whatever is just, think on these things. And he was there unjustly. So if he wrote that book of joy and that book of gratitude from jail, can we not write? a few words of gratitude each day from the comfort of our own homes. He was hopeful that he would be released, but he knew he would probably be executed. But despite this, he was still joyful. And he wrote this thank you letter to the people of Philippi because they had sent him some money and some provisions to help make life easier while he was in jail. So he was writing to them to show gratitude for their support. So he was showing how to remain calm in the chaos, how to remain trusting in turmoil, and how to have gratitude in the midst of grief. So he knew that 
life was a gift, as I hope we all do here. And you can still choose to see the beauty. Where's our finger? In all circumstances. And he actually considered being in jail as his greatest teacher. Because he knew the lessons that would come out of that suffering and what he could parlay to the people coming behind him and to show them how to build a foundation. So when there's chaos in your life or you are worrying, you're anxious, it's very hard to do something about that situation if you are not calm. So you have to be calm in the chaos. I thought about a review that I read for my daughter, Amaris. She sends us all of her employee reviews. It's kind of like getting a report card still because, you know, I looked at her report cards. Okay, what are they saying about you at work? (laughs) So in one particular letter that they wrote her because she got some kind of performance bonus, this isn't even from her actual review, but this is from something outside of a yearly review. She reports to a CIO at her company, and he wrote, Amorous is the person you want in your corner when things get stressful. She is calm, under pressure, and always delivers fantastic results. So that's how it starts out. And then it goes on to talk about the details of what she was doing. So I'm glad to know that I have a young person who knows how to remain calm. So again, the words in Philippians 4.8, you know what they mean. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent, think on these things. And you know what the word lovely means, right? Would you rather have a lovely bouquet of flowers or a withered, sad, depressed, half-dead bouquet of flowers. So you choose. So, getting back to the foundation that this church is built on, when you walk right about in here, this is where Philippians 4.8 is written on the floorboard. So, if you've ever wondered how you can remain calm and chaos, or if other people wonder, hey, how is she being so controlled in all of this stressful situation? Or why is she so blessed? Why are they so calm? It's because you've actually been walking in this word, and maybe you didn't even know it. And not only were you walking in it, you were standing on it, and you are standing on it. So the way that Paul told us to think is being transferred into your life. And I hope you're seeing the results of it. So this is our foundation. And there were others who also had to write verses on this on this floor, this area. So I'm not an official teacher, but I have been known to give out homework a time or two. (laughs) So... Everybody has homework. (laughs) I need you to survey your leaders, find out, first of all, who was asked to write and what they wrote. And you'll know what 
literal verses are on the foundation that you're walking in and standing on. So I'm going to leave you with finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, what's pure, what's lovely, beautiful, admirable, excellent, of good report. You know what a good report is, right? Everybody in here has been to the doctor. And first thing you say, hey, I got a good report. You know what a good report is. So you know what all of this means. So find out what you've been walking in and standing on. That's your homework. I'm going to give you two weeks. So um, a lot of times teachers let the assignments be due around midnight. So 11.59 p.m. two weeks from today, because I know not everybody's here. You got to survey everybody and find out what they did. So I'll give you two weeks to complete your homework assignment and report back to me. And I don't see the young lady who was singing, but if she could sing some more of what she was ministering to us with talking about were we beautiful, were we lovely, and we can close the service out with that. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled Build a Strong Foundation by Tracy Bronner. This message is number 6606, that's 6606, to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6606 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Come on, brother.